0: Good morning, it's so good to be back. I've been away on vacation uh, for the last couple weeks. Um, I don't have a town unfortunately because I was on the East Coast in Canada and it was raining, but it was a lot of fun. Um, it was a very educational experience um, for my wife. Okay, she's not from the East Coast, she's from here, she's local. Um, we basically ate a lot of lobster rolls and uh, we, we had some fun like we you know we floated down a natural lazy river at the ocean o- in the ocean we saw lighthouses we, we did a whole bunch of East Coast stuff but it was educational for her uh, mainly because she not only learned about the birthplace of Canada which is Charlottetown Prince of Rhode Island in case you didn't know that she not only learned about all of that uh, John A. Macdonald and our you know our history but she also learned how to find clams with her toes. Okay, if you've never done that, um, I'm sure I can sh- show you at some point. But it was it was really fun. She also learned how to cook them. She enjoyed eating them for the most part, or that's what she told me. Um, but while we were away, we mainly spent time with our nieces and nephews, my sisters, our, my family, and we ate an ungodly amount of lobster rolls. That's basically uh, what we did. It wasn't all educational. Um, it was a lot of fun as well. So after a uh, incredible day at the beach, uh, we went out on a date. Okay. And so we got all dressed up, um, which means I basically looked like this, but my wife looked beautiful and we went out for dinner. And after dinner, we went to a show. Okay. And the show we went to was actually at a theater that I used to work at. Okay. I used to bartend at this theater and it's a really special, uh, old historic, uh, building. And uh, it was a really, really fun, um, time for us. But after the show, it was a really nice evening. It was warm. It was sunny, the whole deal. And so we went for a little walk uh, around Charlottetown, Prince Edward Island. And as we're walking, we can hear music and excitement. And so we walked down to this back alley where all the action is happening. And, and we walked out this alley. There's a bunch of middle-aged people singing and dancing. I'm like, this is awesome. So, so we went down this, this alleyway, and people are singing and dancing and having a blast. But nobody was having as much fun as this one lady. I took a video. And I want to show you this one lady who's having the time of her life. Okay, she was having the time of her life. She knew every word and she was definitely like no shame getting down. She didn't care what she looked like. She was having fun. Now, in addition to this woman dancing, there was another person dancing that caught my eye. Okay, there was this one dude who took off his shoes and started dancing in the grass by himself. Check, check out this guy. Took like took a video of him too. Okay, this guy is like dancing by himself. There's nobody around him, but this dude is going harder than anyone. Then then the unthinkable happened, okay? I, I did not picture this happening. Out of nowhere, one of the gals who was in the larger group dancing runs over to this guy and joins him. Check it out. So this lady does not know this guy, okay? He has no shoes on. He looks, you know, a bit different than her in many ways. He just rolls up in his bike and she starts dancing with him. And to be honest with you guys, they looked crazy, right? I'm like, oh my goodness, you guys have no shame whatsoever. You don't care what anyone thinks. You guys are just dancing and having fun. It was awesome, right? But, you know, something within us all who were there wanted to join them. Something within us, we we're all looking and standing and like me, we were like all taking videos, but I think we all wanted to join in because maybe, just maybe this is how we were created to live, right? Like what if we were designed to live deeply connected and to share our lives with one another? <clears throat> what if what we truly long for is to be known and to belong, like really belong, like, what if the church is supposed to be so much more than just something that happens on a stage on a Sunday morning? What if the church is supposed to be family? But this isn't what many of us have experienced, is it? Right? For many of us, we barely know the people we're sitting next to, okay? Don't, you don't have to, like, raise your hand or anything. But, you know, we, we awkwardly, like, smile and nod because we're like, I can't remember your name, right? And so we just, like, smile and nod, smile and nod right? And we, we just like awkwardly shake their hands. And to make matters worse, church often seems dull and boring. So we wonder if all of this is even necessary. See, many of us have been going to church for years, maybe even our entire lives. And still, we lack the kind of community, intimacy, and sense of purpose that this couple dancing seemed to share. And we long for it. See, many of us can find this kind of community, the kind of community that this man and woman share together for a short moment, we can find it easier outside of these four walls. It's true. So why do we need to come to church? Why do we need to be part of a community of followers of Jesus if we can find it elsewhere? Well, to quote the the pastor, Kevin Macon, he says, When people ask me, are you surprised that the church is in decline? I always want to respond surprised, Are you kidding me? I can't believe anyone still does this. And yet, followers of Jesus have continued to gather together as the church for the last 2,000 years. So, why would anyone do this? Why would anyone go to church? Why would we gather as the people of Jesus? Like, does a couple songs and a sermon really make all of that, uh, all of a difference in our lives? Like, couldn't we just listen to a really good sermon podcast and a Bethel album instead? What I want to suggest to you is I think there's another way, another way to live. See, what if Jesus of Nazareth came to show us another way, a better way, a better way to live life to the full, a new way to be fully human. See, Jesus said in John chapter 10, verse 10, the thief, speaking of the evil one or the devil, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and to destroy. But I have come that you might have life and have it, to the full. The term here that Jesus uses for life uh, is a shorthand way of speaking about eternal life or life in the future, uh, the life that is to come. But John speaks of having life. And that word having he uses in the present tense as if to say that life is already available in the here and the now. It's as if John to John, eternal life is not simply about the duration of time, but about the quality of time. See, it's about living life to the full, not just in the future, but here and now in the present. Uh, Craig Keener, a New Testament scholar, writes that John's present tense to have indicates that those who trust in Jesus begin to experience life already in the present time. This is why Dallas Willard would speak to his students and often say that eternity is now in session. What he meant is that eternal life is here and now in the present. It's it's true life in the here and now. It's a it's a life that we can live and partake in right here and right now that will echo out into eternity. In other words, our problem as individuals is not just missing life in the future, it's misliving our lives in the present. See, Jesus came to give us life that is truly life both here and and in the future but many of us stop short of living jesus way of life because we've come to believe that all jesus has required of us is to believe some things about him but what if jesus actually is inviting us to participate in his way of life or to participate in life and life to the full in here and now see did jesus actually expect us to live like him did he expect us to live his way of life well i think he did See he says in John 14:12 very truly I tell you whoever believes in me will also do the works that I have been doing. He also said I have set you an example that you should do as I have done for you. See Jesus seemed to expect that his followers would live like him. In fact, this is what it meant to be a disciple in the 1st century, to live like your rabbi, to apprentice their way of life to apprentice their teaching and their lifestyle. This is what a disciple is, an apprentice. See, Jesus came to show us another way, another way of living in the world, another way to be human, another way to live life and life to the full. John Ortberg writes this, To have saving faith is not to believe the minimum amount so God has to let you into heaven. To have saving faith, in other words, is to believe what Jesus himself believed, to see what Jesus himself saw, so that you naturally do what Jesus himself would do. Put simply, we not only receive life from Jesus, but we receive the lifestyle of Jesus. For example, Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount with the invitation to put his teaching into practice. Now, many people think that the Sermon on the Mount, loving your neighbors, nonviolence, turning the other cheek, forgiving one another, not judging one another, is an idealistic sermon that Jesus had no intention for his followers to live. That's not true. Jesus ends his Sermon on the Mount with an invitation to put it into practice. See, Jesus ends by saying that hearing these words of mine, the words that he just preached in Matthew 5, 6, and 7, Whoever hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a man who builds his house on a rock. But to just hear the words of Jesus and not put them into practice, he says, is like building your house on sand. It'll all wash away. Jesus expected us to live his way of life because intellectual understanding is not enough. He actually expected us to live his way. See, someone once said to have the life of Jesus, this life and life to the full, We must adopt the lifestyle of Jesus. And maybe you're here and you're thinking, well, I can just do that by myself, right? I I can follow Jesus. I can read the Bible or whatever his way of life is. I can do that by myself. Why go to church? Great question. See, what's the point of showing up once a week to sing some songs, talk about an ancient letter written to an ancient community, and awkwardly socializing over mediocre coffee, right? Right? Why not just follow Jesus on your own? Wouldn't that be so much easier? Wouldn't that be more convenient, just sitting at home, doing it by yourself? Do we need others, or do we need relationship to follow Jesus? Well, it says in Luke 4, 16, that speaking of Jesus, he went to Nazareth, where he had been brought up. And on the Sabbath day, he went into the synagogue, as was his custom. It can also be translated, as was his tradition or way of life. See, it was the regular practice of Jesus to gather on Sabbath with other believers of Yahweh and to worship. It was part of Jesus' lifestyle or way of life. And the early church picked up on this and continued this practice. We read in Acts 2.46 that every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts. See, the early church continued the rhythm of Jesus of weekly gathering together with others to worship God because it was their way of life. But listen to me, Porkel's Church. Going to church is not something that you do. It's something that you are. You are God's temple. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 3.16, don't you know that you yourselves are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in in your midst. The you here is plural, not singular. The plural, you plural are God's temple, not you alone, not you singular, but you plural are God's temple. You gathered are God's temple and his spirit dwells in your midst. See, the church is the temple of God's spirit. Um, so in 2 Chronicles, we get a snapshot of this, of the temple. Uh, so basically what's happening in Second Chronicles chapter 7 is uh, Israel has created this beautiful temple, and they're now dedicating it to God, okay? And we pick up in uh, chapter 7, verse 1, it says, When Solomon finished praying, fire came down from heaven, okay? How's that for a church service? And consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the temple too. Okay, this is getting fired up. Then the priests could not enter the temple of the Lord because the glory of the Lord filled it. When all the Israelites saw the fire coming down and the glory of the Lord above the temple, they knelt on the pavement with their faces to the ground and they worshiped and gave thanks to the Lord saying, he is good and his love endures forever. Okay, so imagine showing up to church. We sang about it this morning, but imagine showing up to church and fire from falling down from heaven, okay? This would like shaking you up a little bit, okay? Fire from heaven, and then the glory of the Lord filling the temple. This would have been a wild event. You probably would have wanted to see it, right? So imagine showing up to this beautiful building that's about to be dedicated to the Lord. And as soon as the service starts, fire falls from heaven, and the glory of the Lord fills the temple. Like, it's like no wonder why everyone fell to the ground, right? You're worthy, Jesus, okay? so while Lorel and I were on the East Coast, we um, we made a pit stop in Halifax, okay? So we flew in there, and my sister lives nearby, so we stayed with her. And at my sister's place, she's got this, like, vintage camper. It's beautiful. It's, like, redone. It's, like, you'd, it's something you'd see, like, on Pinterest, okay? It's got, like, string lights and, like, beautiful interior. And so Lorel and I were like, we want to stay in that, okay? So we stayed in this beautiful vintage camper for the night, And uh, we're just enjoying this. And we're like talking before we're going to bed. Like, this is like super cool and and beautiful and amazing. And we're just like on the South Shore, you know, in in Nova Scotia. And all of a sudden it's the middle of the night and we wake up to the loudest crack we've ever seen. And the, the sky lights up and we're like, oh my goodness, it is pouring. And we woke up to the loudest thunder and lightning storm like I had ever experienced. Lorel told me in the morning that she was literally counting the seconds between the bang and the light to see how close the lightning was striking to that camper, okay? We woke up and thought we were going to die, right? This is how these people probably felt when they showed up to church. They were there and they were deeply moved by the beauty of God, but they were also terrified by his power. See, this isn't, here in 2 Chronicles 7, this isn't the only time this exact event takes place. It also happens in Acts chapter 2. In fact, Acts chapter 2 specifically tells this story in the same order of events. The disciples are praying, just like Solomon and the others are praying and dedicating that space to God, and then all of a sudden, in Acts two, fire falls from heaven, just like it did in Second Chronicles seven, and then the glory of the Lord shows up in the appearance of tongues of fire, just like it happened in Second Chronicles chapter seven. Now, the author of Hebrews or uh, of Acts is Luke, and Luke is specifically trying to tell us this story to make us think the idea that you are now the temple. Something has shifted dramatically in the room. They now have become the temple of God, which is why Paul years later could write these words to the church in Corinth. Do you not know that you are God's temple and that God's spirit dwells in you? You see why this matters? Many of us treat the church as an optional idea that is outdated and relevant to, to following Jesus and our lives. But according to Jesus and the authors of the New Testament, it is not optional because it is who you are. You are God's temple. See, church is not something you do. It is who you are. So here's the question for this, this morning. How do we do community? Maybe that's what you're asking. Thank you for asking. I'd love to answer that question for you. Okay? So some of you, maybe on your way in, you got a booklet. Okay? It says community basics on the, the front cover. Why don't you guys bring those out? Um, we're going to be answering the question, how do we at Porkel's Church do community? Uh, on the back of that um, uh, booklet, there's also a QR code. That's what Ben was talking about earlier. You can scan that. There will also be one right here. You can scan that and sign up for Community Basics right here. So if you're like on your phone, I'm going to know you're not texting, you're not on Instagram, you are signing up for Community Basics, so you can do that. Bring out your phones, Okay. Um, What I want to do for the next few minutes is give you a quick overview of PKC communities that will be starting in just a few short weeks. But before we get into that, we need to ask a foundational question to set the stage. And the question is this, why does the church exist? Why the church? Why did Jesus start the church? Why does the church exist? What is the church's purpose, in other words? Why does poor Kel's church exist? Uh, most people want their churches to have one of three things, and I, I'm not making this up. This is le- legitimately true. Most people want three things from their church: good teaching, good kids ministry, and good coffee. Okay, we have two of those three things. Okay, um, but that's actually what people want: good teaching, good kids ministry, and good coffee. If you were to pull this room, that that would probably be uh, was represented here. What I want to say is none of those things are bad. They're good. And we want to aim for those things here at Porkel's Church. But none of those things make up the purpose of the church. So what is it? Let's take a look at Matthew chapter 20 to see what the purpose of the church is. It says in verse 18, this is right before Jesus ascends into heaven. It says, Then Jesus came to them, so the disciples, and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the Father of the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. So what's the purpose of the church? Well here, according to Jesus, the purpose of the church is to make disciples. The purpose of the church, the purpose of Porkel's church is to make disciples. And the way we are to make disciples, according to Jesus, is by teaching them to observe or obey all that he has commanded. See, Jesus taught that his disciples, or what a disciple is, is somebody who lives out what he has commanded. They live his way of life. They live out his teaching, in other words. So, if the main goal of the church is to make disciples— then how are we going to do that here at Porkel's Church? Because here's what we don't want to do. We don't want to have really great programs and events and a really great service and really great teaching, coffee, and kids ministry, but not make disciples. If the main goal of the church is to make disciples, then how are we here going to do that? Okay. Um, In your booklets, there's a section called the um, Discipleship Pathway. And so um, you can go there and, and we'll go over that together. So following Jesus... Is always a group activity and it requires one another. That phrase, one another, shows up 59 times in the New Testament in the imperative. In other words, 59 times in the New Testament, it is commanded to love one another, serve one another, forgive one another, bear one another's burdens, encourage one another, meet together with one another. Over um, 50 times, 59 specifically times, it is commanded to us to do something with one another. Which is to say that we cannot follow Jesus alone. We cannot complete 59 of the New Testament's commands by ourselves. So we have to follow Jesus and become disciples of Jesus together. Now, most churches have realized that Sunday mornings is not enough. It's enough if we just want to have good coffee, good kids ministry, and good teaching. But it is not enough if we want to make disciples of Jesus who live his way of life. Um, so if we're going to make disciples who join God in his renewal of all things, we need to do more than gather on Sunday. We're going to need more than a sermon. See, the early church met weekly in a large gathering. We can read that in Acts 2, uh, 2.46. They met it in the temple courts, but they also met house to house around a table and broke bread. This midweek model is what the church has historically done, and it's what we are going to call PKC communities. And if you're asking what is a PKC community, here's a short definition. A PKC community is a group of people who follow Jesus' way of life in their neighborhood. PKC communities are where the rubber meets the road. They are where we put into practice what we do here on Sunday. It's where we practically embody the way of Jesus. So what is our process? We have a three-step process here at Port Church to get you from in your seat to apprentice of Jesus for the renewal of all things, okay? So step one, come to Community Basics. That is the prerequisite for being in a community. So sign up. Um, The QR code is back here. It's on your handouts, And you can sign up, and it's September 21st and 28th at 7 p.m. The second um, step is to join a PKC community. And then the third step is to join in the rhythms here at Porkel's Church. So what are the rhythms? These are uh, five core rhythms to our church um, that we are asking our people in community to embody. So if you're not a follower of Jesus, if you're new to this community, you're not in a community, we're not requiring everyone else to do this. But if you're in a community, these are the rhythms. So number one, be in community. Okay, that's what we're talking about this morning. So that should be pretty obvious. We want you to share your life with one another, share, share meals together, and live out the way of Jesus together for the renewal of all things. Number two, this is this is the second foundational rhythm of Port Kells Church. Live out a way of life. More on that in just a moment. Um, and then three, gather on Sundays. That's what we're doing now. So good job. You're already doing one out of five. That's great. And then serve and give. So when you complete community basics and join a community, these are the things that we're inviting you into. Uh, these are the rhythms of Port Kells Church. And these rhythms are designed specifically for you to become more like Jesus. And they're also an invitation for you to join him in his renewal of all things. I know this is a lot of content, but I'll be brief. Okay, so let's take a look at the way of life. So, the second rhythm at Pork Hill Church is a way of life, community way of life. These are the two foundational rhythms. Everything else is built on these two core rhythms. So, we believe that Christ likeness is not natural and requires practice. I'm gonna say that again. We believe that Christ likeness is not natural and requires practice. This is what Paul means when he says, train yourselves for godliness or discipline yourself for godliness. The idea is that it takes practice. We believe that the way of Jesus is a way of life and it's a whole new way to live and be in the world. Um, so PKC Communities is where we will live that way of life together. We believe that you can't live this way of life alone. PKC Communities are where we want to, to embody the way of Jesus together. Um But let me say this, this is not a new or novel idea. This is the historic practice of the church. In fact, the church has devoted themselves to a way of life since day one. Um, Take a look at Acts 2. It says in verse 42, They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and to prayer. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property and possessions to give to anyone who had need every day they continued to meet together in the temple courts they broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts the idea here is they're devoting themselves to two things one another and to a way of life the first christians by doing this drastically changed the the fabric of the roman empire they changed the landscape of their time and day and they did this through a way of life you're thinking a way of life they had potlucks and braid together and that's how they changed the roman empire yes through a way of life. They broke bread and and shared a way of life, and it changed the way the world was. Uh, In a matter of years, the church went from 120 disciples in the upper room to five or six million people. It took the Roman world by storm, and they changed the world because they were devoted to something beautiful, a way of life. Joseph Hellerman commenting on this day and age says people did not convert to christianity solely because of what the church believed they converted because of the way in which early christians behaved see the ancient christians were known for their love for one another they were known for their way of life and we think in order to change the world we've got to do something drastic we've got to start a campaign a revolution we've we've got to start a business or a nonprofit or do something that's going to grab people's attention but the early church changed the world By eating together and living like Jesus. And the church exploded to, again, five or six million people by the beginning of the fourth century. In fact, the emperor of the time, Emperor Julian, writes this. Uh, The Galileans, this is how he spoke of the Christians. The Galileans begin with their so-called love feast. And the result is that they have led very many into atheism. That's what he negatively referred to as Christianity. He's saying, hey, these dudes, they do love feasts. They, they do this meal with bread and cup. And by this, they're leading millions of people to become followers of Jesus. See, it's, apparently the church did explode in growth because of a few potlucks. It was because of their way of life. Julian goes on to say their benevolence or love to strangers Their care for the graves of the dead and the holiness of their lives have done most to increase atheism. See, the church grew to five or six million people because of the way they lived out the way of Jesus together. It was because of the beauty of their lives. It was because they lived life and life to the full as a sacrificial demonstration to a watching world. And they took the Roman Empire by storm. They won the Roman world by the way they followed Jesus, not by power, not by politics, and not by big services. They won the world by their love. And I believe that the world is dying for someone to give them an alternative way for being human in the world. And our job as a church is to be that demonstration. In fact, this is what it means to be a disciple of Jesus. At its core, um, discipleship is about becoming like your rabbi. It's very Jewish language. Maybe that's new to you. That's okay. Jesus talks about it in Luke 6, 40, when he says, the student or disciple is not above their teacher, but everyone or every disciple who is fully trained will become like their rabbi or teacher. See, the goal of a disciple is to become with and become like your rabbi. That was the goal of a young Jewish disciple of a rabbi. And as disciples of Jesus, our goal is to be with and become like Jesus. Jesus. John says it like this in 1 John 2, uh, 2 6. He says, Whoever says he abides in him, or whoever claims to be a Christian, must walk or live in the same way in which he lived. In other words, to follow Jesus is to adopt his way of life. This is what the early church did. They devoted themselves to a way of life. Uh, the early Christians, um, especially the monastics, called this a, a rule of life. Here at Pork Hills Church, we're going to call it a way of life. Uh, Pete Gregg, a um, pastor in the UK, defines a rule of life as a set of principles and practices we build into the rhythm of our daily lives, helping us deepen our relationship with God and serve him more faithfully. A rule or way of life is how we seek to live out that faith day to day as disciples in the power of the Holy Spirit. Roger also says, for the early monastics, a rule was simply a guide to living in Christian community. Jesus says in Matthew 7:24, "Everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house on the rock." A rule or way of life is how we put the words of Jesus into practice. So here's the definition I want to use for this morning. A way of life is a set of practices found in the life of Jesus that a community embodies in order to become more and more like Jesus. So here at Pork Health Church, we will have a way of life. And this way of life is how we will practice the way of Jesus over the next several months and years. Here it is for you. Um, it's in your, your booklets under way of life. There are five key parts to our way of life. And each part is a section, not a practice. In each section, there are several practices that we will embody. So for example, number one is scripture. But under scripture, there's also Lectio Divina, which is an ancient way of reading scripture, which we'll introduce to you um, in the fall. There's study and silence and solitude. Uh, For instance, under um, community, there are practices like sharing your life, eating together, communion and confession. We're also including things like practicing spiritual gifts, which Jesus did, giving, which Jesus did. Uh, Here's a a um, countercultural one, Sabbath. Sabbath is one of the Ten Commandments. You might not know that. It is, okay? It was also a practice found in the life of Jesus with which the church historically has followed and been part of. By that, we mean a 24-hour period of time by which you, you take aside to worship and rest. So all of that to say is there's many practices here that are all found in the life of Jesus that we will embody together as a community. Uh, the Swiss theologian Karl Barth once said that the church exists to set up in the world a new sign which is radically dissimilar to the world's own manner and which contradicts it in a way that is full of promise. I love that. If that's true, our way of life must contradict the way of the world in a way that is full of promise and beauty. Okay, how are we doing? Let's talk about um, an overview of our community, okay? Um, so take a look. That um, should be on, on the top of one of your pages. You should see our mission statement. And it says this, we are a community of apprentices of Jesus joining God in his renewal of all things. You'll notice that there's three parts to this mission statement, community, apprentice, and renewal. Okay, you can remember it by car. Okay, community, apprentice, renewal. And so, so how do we do this? How do we become a community that apprentices under Jesus for the renewal of all things? How do we do this? Well, we gather each week around the table to build deeper relationships with one another and in order to be the people of Jesus in our neighborhoods, okay? And so we are living out this way of life by three primary things. We're going to eat together, we're going to pray together, and we're going to share our lives together. Um, let me just touch on on these very quickly. So each week we will eat together. This is a non-negotiable, essential part of all of our communities. This was the pattern of the early church and it is not optional for PKC communities. In fact, one of the few explicit commands that we have from Jesus about how to do church is about a meal. He says, quote, whenever you come together, take the bread and the cup in remembrance of me. So for us, this practice of eating together is both a meal and it is communion i'll talk about more more about that in just a second um but let me say this about the pkc community because this is probably the question you're asking Uh, what we want to say is it doesn't have to be expensive and it doesn't have to be difficult so it can be as simple as grilled cheese sandwiches and tomato soup it can be rotisserie chicken tacos like like it can be simple and easy and doesn't have to break the bank so we want to eat together every time we gather in community but second we want to pray together we want to pray together um Again, just to quote Karl Bart again, uh, to clasp the hands in prayer is the beginning of an uprising against the disorder of the world. When we pray together, we are joining God in the renewal of all things. Prayer is the beginning um, point of a move of God. And so we're going to pray together. We're also going to share our lives together. There's more of that on, in your booklets, but for the sake of time, I'm just going to keep going. Okay, community rhythms. Um, so getting 12 to 15 people around a table can be difficult. So we want to be intentional. And the way we're going to be intentional is by scheduling. Okay. So there are, there's a monthly rhythm, a weekly rhythm and a way of life rhythm. The monthly rhythm is we are asking that your community meets for d- dinner and discussion three to the four weeks a month. So three of the four weeks you get together and you have dinner and discussion And on the fourth week, you do a free night or a family night. So this could be anything from celebrating somebody's birthday, having a barbecue, having a guys and girls night. It could also be throwing a party in your backyard and inviting your neighbors. Um, So we want you to build family with one another and follow Jesus with one another. A weekly rhythm, you can see that there's a schedule there for how the week, the evening is lined up. Uh, Just one comment on the way of life rhythm. What we were saying is we're taking that way of life that I've worked uh through with you guys just a minute ago and we're breaking it down into uh, a section every two months so for a season of two months we will focus on the practices in that section of the way of life and we will learn how to live that out together so each week in the curriculum i'll send out information on how you as a community can live that part of our way of life okay com- commitments uh, in closing what are we asking of you if you join a community We're not asking for your credit card information. We're not asking for, you know, anything like unrealistic of you. But we're asking that you would do our mission statement. We're asking that you would apprentice under Jesus, that you'd live life in community, and you'd join God in the renewal of all things. Okay? So apprenticeship. By that, we mean living as a disciple of Jesus, embodying his way of life, living under the authority of Scripture. Uh, By community, we're asking that you're a part of the weekly meal. Um, that you that you actually show up, that you give, if you're not going to be there, you give 24-hour notice by a phone call, not text, not email, phone call to your community leader, okay? Um, that just involved in people's lives and for renewal. Let me say this, more on this will come. So we are just starting communities um, phase one. In the new year, we'll be launching things like Alpha and, and missional emphasis that your communities can be a part of. So that will come down the line. But we're asking that you're part of a weekly meal that you're part of community and you're apprenticing under Jesus. So here's the last question I want to address. What if, and a lot of you guys are probably asking this or thinking this, what if I have kids? What if I'm a young parent? What if I have little ones? Is community for me? Yes. The goal if you have kids is that your community is not your community, but your kids' community too. We don't want them to think this is mom and dad's community. This is their Bible study if we wanna use old school language. That's not true. This is their community. And so what we are going to ask you to do or encourage you to do this is include your kids in the first part of the evening. So allow them to be a part of the dinner, involve them in the conversation around the table, and then maybe do bedtime with them. But maybe you're thinking, well, what if I have infants or young, young children? Is community for you? Yes. Uh, here's a couple options that you can do if you have young children. Um, these are your suggestions. Number one, bring a pack and play and a monitor and put them in another room. Okay. Uh, two. You could have a rotation for um, maybe a couple of people watching the kids every single week, which would mean every five or six weeks it would be your turn to be with the kids. Number three, you could rotate homes so that each you know family has the opportunity to do bedtime a bit easier. Um, if your group only has one family with kids, maybe do group at their house so that bedtime's easy for them. Number five, you could meet on a Sunday afternoon right after church, go out for lunch, and include your kids. At uh, Number five, worst case scenario, you could do a guy's night one week and the, the girls stay home with the kids. The guys go out, they meet together, the girls jump on Zoom and the kids are in bed and then you switch. And then the next week it's the girl's night. What we're saying here is that we want you to do what works for your community. Idealism is the number one killer of community other than flakiness, okay? So we don't need you. We don't need you to have an ideal community where everything's like tidy and kids aren't crying. We want it to be messy because family is messy. And communities are not a Bible study, they are family. And we want your kids to grow up in that community and love and follow Jesus. So remember, your group will have seasons and you'll grow through these seasons, but the goal is that your community becomes God's temple where God's spirit dwells in your midst. In closing, Jesus says, I have come that you might have life and have it to the full. Do you want that life? Do you want the life that is truly life that Jesus has unavailable do you long to embody and experience jesus way of being in the world if you do i want to encourage you to step in join a community experience all that god has for you and don't wait for it just to happen organically step out and experience life and life to the full in the here and now and join a community come to community basics the qr code it will be on the the screen later and we want you to sign up for community basics and join us so let's pray